Welcome to the Evergreen Thumb. I'm your host, Erin Landon, a Washington State University Extension Master Gardener since 2015 and a certified permaculture designer and modern homesteader. I'm here to share up-to-date research-based horticulture and environmental stewardship knowledge to help you grow and manage your garden and to share what the WSU Extension Master Gardener program is all about. WSU Extension Master Gardener volunteers are university-trained community educators who have been cultivating plants, people, and communities since 1973. Are you ready to grow? Let's dig into today's episode. Welcome to the Evergreen Thumb, episode 15. My guest today is Valerie Savinsky. Valerie is a WSU Extension Master Gardener in Grays Harbor and Pacific Counties. She was born and raised north of Burien, Washington, and graduated from Evergreen High School. She received a BA in accounting at Golden State University, San Francisco, a master's in federal taxation from Golden State University, Seattle. She was a self-employed CPA for 33 years. Val became a certified WSU Extension Master Gardener in Kitsap County, Washington in 2019, where she first learned of rain gardens. She then moved to Ocean Shores in 2020 and then to Elma, Washington in 2022. She is very active at the Elma Demonstration Garden at the Grays Harbor County Fair since 2020 and was involved with intern training in 2022. She is very involved with the workshops in the greater Grace Harbor area, and her rain garden was featured in the 2023 annual garden tour in Elma. And if you haven't guessed, Val is here today to talk to us about rain gardens. Val, welcome to the show. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for having me. All right, to start off, why don't you tell us a bit, your, a bit about yourself and uh, how you became a master gardener and got involved with rain gardens? Okay, well, I got involved with rain gardens way before I got involved with Master Gardeners, but I was living in Kitsap County, and a friend of mine uh, wanted to build a new house, and the county came to her and said, we are requiring rain gardens for all new construction in in this area. So I kind of helped her with the rain garden, and then she had found a lot of information on the Kitsap County Conservation District website that was fantastic. So that led me into the Master Gardener program in Kitsap County, where I was certified in 2019. And then after that, I went to Eugene, which is in Oregon, Lane County, and they also require rain gardens for new construction and uh, residential and businesses. So And then I moved to Grace Harbor. I'm hoping I'm settled now in my retirement. So can you tell us about um, the first rain garden you said you worked on was up in Kitsap County. Can you tell us a little bit about that garden? That was a new house that was on undisturbed land. So I was involved in the excavation, which was very complicated there. Because the soil is a lot different than what I have here in Alma. Um, so, so specific sorts of soil were brought in for each level. So they'd, they'd start with, with uh, uh, rocks and then sand and then per- to make it as permeable as possible. And then heavily uh, composted 
in the areas where there, the plants would be. So that was that was kind of over my head back then. But then I'm I in I did a lot of studying when I was in Eugene. Um, and even got to be familiar with the regu- the the city regulations for rain gardens because we had a a big one where i where I chose to live, and nobody else knew anything about it so and then I moved up here to Ocean Shores, which is all sandy, so I built one there just I just kind of threw one together and it worked really well. And then I now am in Elmo, where the soil here is old river bottom from the Chehalis River when it came across Elmo. Now it's a ways away. But so I have a lot of the soil is fairly uh, fertile. There's tons of, of uh, uh, pea gravel in it, and there's also a lot a lot of other rocks. So that will play in as we continue into how we build a rain garden. Okay, so let's back up. And I guess we probably should tell our listeners exactly what a rain garden is. A rain garden is, very simply put, a water filtration system. And so as our land has if you've ever hiked in the Cascades or in the Olympics, uh, many of the trails are really have just lush soil and are very bouncy. And so I've learned a lot as a master gardener about healthy, uh, healthy soil principles. So before we started developing, the uh, stormwater was filtered and purified and slowly filtered through all of that undisturbed organic matter in the forest before it hit the waterways. And now with extensive construction, stormwater runoff is one of the major pollutants of, and what goes with that runoff is our chemicals and pesticides and pollutants of from a lot of different sources. So what the rain water, the rain garden does is it slows down the flow of stormwater. The plants and the heavily composted soil in the rain garden filters the water, which adds back to the groundwater, and it also slows the, the runoff into our river's and larger waterways, which we're close to the ocean. We have the Chehalis River here. We have the Satsap River. We have tons of creeks. And this isn't as highly developed as, say, for instance, King County or Thurston County or Kitsap County. But there is a place in every community for residential rain gardens. They're not required here yet in Grace Harbor County. But they are in King County and specific parts of Kitsap County. Okay. So now you did, you said you just constructed a rain garden at your home in Elma. Yes. And it was featured on the 2023 annual garden tour hosted by the Grace Harbor Pacific County Master Gardeners. Correct. 
And but it was still a very young garden at that time. Yes. So I was asked by our rain, our uh, uh, garden tour person in in our in our master gardener program here in Grace Harbor in Pacific Counties, and I think she said it jokingly at first. Would you have any interest in being on the, or you need to be on the garden tour? And I said, Are you kidding? When I moved in this lot into this house in November of twenty. 22 it was it's a flat lot which i liked it was a it's almost a triple citywide lot so it's large but all it had on it was weed grass and tons of dandelions so as a master gardener i i've been very interested in getting rid of grass which in essence is a dead ecosystem um, and we usually use a lot of pesticides and fertilizers on it. So there are pollutant factors. There really are, there are a few insects, but it's not a biodiverse, uh, ecosystem in the least. So my, my immediate thought was, I'm going to get rid of all the lawn. I'm going to build a rain garden. I have, uh, my, my yard is separated into three distinct parts. And this is a, this house was built in 1900 and it's still on the original, uh, I think they call it pier and plank. It does not have a foundation. So my main intent was to get the water away from the foundation to keep that moisture as much as I could away from getting underneath the house. So, uh, that played right into my, uh, I really wanted to build a rain garden. So um, so I moved in in November of 2022, and the home and garden show for, tw- or the uh, garden tour for, 19, or for 2023 was in the following, what was it, Ju- July, I think, like the third week of July. So I thought, oh, I don't know I'm going to get this done. So I hired an excavator to scrape off the sod and weeds, and they dug the initial hole. So that's how it got started. But then I did all the other pieces of of the building, which we'll talk about. So let's start with um, planning, the planning process for a rain garden. How what was the process that you went through to decide how big it was or you know how much space you needed what plants you needed at this point i'm going to plug the wsu uh extension publication called the uh rain garden handbook for western washington that that was done in conjunction with the Department of Ecology and the Kitsap County Conservation District, and actually the extension, the program uh, coordinator for Master Gardeners in Kitsap County headed up the project in conjunction with these other departments. So it's it's just a very awesome handbook. It covers the four main things: planning building, planting, and maintenance. And it also includes an amazing appendix for native plants. 
and their other resource, their other appendices for uh, for county resources. So every county has a conservation district, and so we'll talk more about that later. But so that's where I started. The first step is planning. So the very first thing to do, and it's the perfect time of year to do it, is test the drainage of your soil. And the handbook gives extensive instructions uh, of how to do that. So very simply, uh, you measure the areas and square footage of whatever you want to drain into that into your rain garden. And mine is just a little bit of sidewalk, mostly roof. So uh, I've connected my all of my downspouts to pipes that run into the into the rain garden. So and I discovered that my drainage when I dug so you dig a hole of certain dimensions and see how quickly it drains and my my soil happens to drain mine is off the charts fast so the handbook also contains all the areas from the entire west coast of washington as to their rainfall percent or the inches of rainfall and so there's charts that tie in the rainfall with your drainage rate and that's how you determine how big your rain garden is. So mine ended up to be, because my house is especially long and I have a lot of roof area, mine ended up to be 400 square feet. And so it's approximately 10 by 40, but I've got it kind of shaped into an hourglass, so it's a little more interesting than just a rec rectangular hole. Um, and what I've found since is that my drainage rate is so fast here, which I'm delighted about. I mean, there, there are good things and bad things about that. Uh, the size of the rain garden didn't have to be 400 square feet. So in it, consequently, I built a much smaller one on the other side of the house to drain two uh, downspouts into. And it's only, I think it's like maybe... The hundred square feet at most, and I never have sitting water, which is what you want to accomplish with the size and the depth of the rain garden. You do this is not for sitting water because we don't want mosquitoes to propagate, and so the water needs to drain off within oh eighteen or twenty four hours, so that doesn't happen. Okay, so once you've planned the the initial layout or size and and depth, and then you had soil brought in, I did not as well. It, oh, you didn't. That and they also the the handbook suggests suggests strongly, and I do too as a master gardener that you need to know what your soil content is. If it's very so, uh, conservation districts do soil tests. They can tell you what the content is, um, basically, and what the pH is. Um, if you have clay soil, if it's predominantly clay, and you're it, probably it's not a good place to build a rain garden because 
clay soil is good because it retains uh, moisture, but it doesn't drain very quickly. So a rain garden, you're on a time you're on a time limit for drainage. Uh, so you can, in that case, you can dig out your native clay and refill it with recommended soil types that are also listed in the handbook. So for me, I was able to use my native soil. And the other big component of soil in a rain garden is adding, so it's soil, whatever the type, whether it's native or you've brought in special soil, 65% soil along with 35% compost. So I dug out, I had the excavators pile up the native soil and I actually strained, literally strained all the rocks out of most of it and then refilled the depression I made in the soil with, tried tried as closely as I could to get it to a 65-35 combination of compost and and, uh, native soil. So for me, it was not costly, except for uh, hard work. (laughs) I was going to say, that's a a, uh, time-intensive undertaking. Yeah. So once you've finished planning the the structure of the garden itself, um, how did you go about design deciding plant choices? All righty, plants. I'm a native plant enthusiast, and the suggested plants in the handbook and on other uh, college extension websites that I've looked at recommend native plants. Number one, they're most adaptable to the climate in that area. And also with climate change progressing, rain, you know, annual rainfall is just not, it's not easy to, to calculate. So native plants are used to drought. They're used to rain. And I mean, in, particular times of the year and not steadily one or the other. Um, in Eugene, I had the privilege of learning about grass-like plants used in rain gardens, and they used mostly juncus and uh, carex, which is uh, their sedges and rushes. I love the, the grass-like And they are the most hardy and the most adaptable to drought conditions and very wet conditions. So most hybrid plants don't like wet feet. And the rain garden has three uh, specific areas. The area one is the bottom of the rain garden, which is the most wet and then, or the most dry, depending on the season. The sides are considered area two, which are less wet and less dry. And then area three is the top ground level of the structure. So a rain garden always consists of a depression in the ground. So you're always going to have level one. I don't have a lot of level two because I just didn't have the space, but I have a lot of level three. 
And so I have mostly grass likes, sedges and rushes only in level one. I have a few native spirea in level two. I in level three, I have uh non-native pollinator attractors, uh, a couple of different types like Minarda and Lobelia. Uh and I and I also have well, I have mostly natives like I'm right now I'm looking at my uh Mahonia. I have large Mahonia, I have fringe cup, I have Oh my gosh, I have uh, Pacific Nine Bark. I have uh, Mock Orange. I have a- uh, Avens, Broadleaf Avens. And all of these are natives. But for the uh, garden tour in July, we had a heat wave in May. So I was really, I did not want to put brand new baby plants. And all of them were like an inch tall. I did not want to plant them in that heat wave. So I waited until June when it cooled down and started, or probably the end of May, and started raining more. So there was not show there was not much showing above the ground. But the great thing about the grass likes, they have I I was able to find a native plant nursery, which unfortunately is not in business any longer here in Puget Sound, uh, up in Olympia. And they planted in containers that were only about an inch and a half to do two inches wide, but they were 10 inches long. So I knew I had really healthy roots in all of that grass light. So I wasn't worried too much about them. Um, and the others came in various root lengths. Um, the great thing about planted, planting natives also, they require much less and less watering as they get older. Like within th- three years, they shouldn't require a whole lot of maintenance at all. So I had to water a lot last summer and I felt guilty about it, but I knew that's going to turn around in another two or three years. So that's another good thing about having natives. The plants that you mentioned, a lot of those are pretty good-sized shrubs, or will be. Yeah. The spirea and the uh, mahonia and things yeah. like that, the nine bark especially. I just did an episode on xeriscape gardens. Ah. And so, kind of the same thing. Once it becomes mature, it you know it doesn't have to be a boring garden. There can be lots of color and lots of variety. And Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm also very aware that I'll be transplanting a lot of because I have I put in as many plants as I could in the rain garden area just so it looked like something for the rain garden. Uh, but now I've already uh, seen some mature uh, some of the flowering plants that I and I I know that they're going to be transferred to a pollinator garden that I have ready for them on the other side of the yard. I it's like I don't want to crowd any of these plants, and I do not want to have to prune any of the natives. That is just against my whatever. Um, I it and it's a lot of work. So. That's a good, that's right plate, right, right plant, right place is really, 
will go strong once these start to mature. Well, another factor is um, with like we have needing to prune. Um, isn't it true you don't necessarily want to get down into the rain garden because it'll compact the soil and affect the infiltration? That's exactly right. So I'm a I am a real advocate of healthy soil principles, and that's what creates this biodiverse ecosystem. I built an environment to attract a lot of microorganisms into my soil, and compaction really destroys the the soil construction and the air spaces and the places they live in the soil. And the more air space you have, the more water will it will hold. And in combination with the, the with the soil health and the plant roots are what uh, take out the toxins from the runoff. So plants are, I didn't know this before I became a master gardener, so I'm so happy I don't have to use fertilizer and I don't have to use, and I want to attract bugs and insects and birds and whatever. So birds live on moth larvae. And I really have hated that because they usually chew the plants up. But if you have enough, and being an organic gardener, you have to have a tolerance for your plants being chewed on a little bit. So I, you know, I've already seen more bird, more types of birds in my yard. And I had hummingbirds right away as soon as the monarda uh, started to blossom. And then I had asters come in uh, in August and September. So they were the big pollinator attractors. I've done a lot of studying on what plants are the best pollinator attractors. And asters, California poppy, godetia, and um, I will definitely have all of those in my yard eventually. So I had nothing in this yard, and I'm building it up to be an ecosystem. What are some of the misconceptions about rain gardens? The main misconception that I discovered. So during the, this is a very small rural area, and Aaron was one of my master gardener docents during the garden tour. So one of the biggest misconceptions is that I discovered from a lot of, and I had over, we had, what, 328 visitors to this garden. And the main question was about this depression in my ground retaining water. They And everybody, a lot of people who were into water retention said, why don't you just have blue barrels? Your, your downspouts running into blue barrels. I said, that is not the purpose of a rain garden. I got that question from many of our visitors. And the other misconception was, boy, I sure hope it doesn't overflow and it rains a lot because it really rains hard in Elma during the winter. And I knew I was not worried because I'd, I'd follow the instructions in the handbook to a T because I knew I was going to have a lot of scientifically based questions here. So I wanted it to be, I followed the instructions to the, to the letter. So I, that was not an issue. 
I don't even have sitting water in it as much as it's rained uh, uh, this winter so far. So that this time of year is a great time to do that uh, that that uh, drainage test, and then after it dries out a little bit, you can you can dig holes around your yard or keep digging holes to see how it drains out when it dries up a little bit. Uh, If it doesn't drain within the prescribed amount of time, you seriously need to think about not building a rain garden in that particular area. It's all worked out beautifully, just as if I'd planned it scientifically, which I did. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have this vision of the the stormwater retention ponds that are in a lot of housing developments. Yes. And they maybe confuse that with what a rain garden is or the the purpose. Yeah. Well, they do drain, but they're they're not a rain garden. There there's a little bit of growth in in the development I lived in Paulsbo. Paulsbo, we had three or four of them. And those now are required uh by municipalities for for residential um construction areas that are big housing developments. So the great thing about being in a house is you can dig, you can build one of these yourself without, without much expense. Um, You're doing your community a favor. You're doing the ecosystem a favor and you're doing the water a favor. And as climate change advances, uh, potable water is going to be, I think, it's going to be an issue because a lot of our aquifers are drying up. So if we can recharge those that groundwater, uh, everybody can contribute to that. So this is just a thought I had. So in an urban area where you have a lot more um, impermeable surfaces, does that that is going to necessitate a larger garden, correct? Well, it depends on what you have in your particular yard and what you choose to drain into the rain garden. I think the most important thing is to run downspouts from your roof or if you have a big cemented patio to run some sort of drainage system in that. And usually large urban areas have stormwater drains, so just go out to your sidewalk and clear off the drain so leaves don't plug it up. But I think as individual homeowners, we can all contribute, and that was one of the things that King County did was it really um, encouraged their residents to build rainwater or rain gardens and they give gave a lot of seminars and were very helpful in that so and kitsap county does the same thing they in fact i have a master gardener friend uh in kitsap um and kitsap conservation district excavated the area she wanted to use and it also hauled in the proper soil because she had a lot of clay so they dug that out and they they brought to her which she had to install the proper texture of soils that needed to be in the different layers uh, of the rain garden 
And so she she's a master gardener and a plant uh, expert, so she knew what she wanted to plant. But they were very helpful in keeping her encouraged and helping her in this process. You talked a bit about one of the functions of a rain garden being the, to filter um, impurities from the water before it gets back into the water table. So what else, um, as far as like water conservation and what other type of efforts are, can rain gardens be of benefit? I think the fact that it slows the flow of runoff. So if all of my neighbors had rain gardens, we would have very few puddles on the street. We don't have sidewalks in my neighborhood but it substantially slows the flow of the runoff as it's filtering through all the compost and plant roots. So I think relative to water water conservation, if you have native plants, which I highly recommend, and the the guide has an extremely huge appendix uh, for all kinds of natives, they will be more adaptive to the climate So hopefully there's not a need, as much need, for watering except the first year, year and a half, two years to get the plants established. And then after that, they should be pretty self-reliant. And if you have flowering plants and pollinator plants and plants that attract insects, uh, like a goldenrod, for instance, I've I've had the I had them in ocean shores and I watched all the different sorts of flying insects that land on that plant and they come out in August or September so they're a late bloomer. I mean that's a must to me in a pollinator garden or a rain garden um, because that attracts all kinds of of little guys. And it also provides, and you're also providing habitat if you don't cut down for a, a plant that dies back on the first freeze, leave it up. And that will provide seeds uh, or food or, or habitat protection, like bees need water, and a lot of them uh, live in the ground. So you don't want to be stomping around. I mean, and that's good for soil health because you don't want to compact your your uh, area. Okay. Um, I will, in the show notes, I will include um, a link to, there's a map of all of this uh, conservation districts in the state. So you um, listeners can find their conservation district. And I will link to that rain garden handbook mm-hmm. um, so people can use that as a resource. And there's also the 12,000 Rain Gardens Project uh, in Puget Sound, and I will link to that as well. So you can find a rain garden near you, maybe. Yes. And um, also, if you have any photos, Val, of your garden, I know it's um, still new-ish. The, the photos aren't very descriptive. I have a couple that might give someone an idea, even though the plants are so teensy-weensy. Um, I think the photo is good enough so you can get an idea at least of shape and zones. Uh, like I said before, my zone two is not is not very well planted because I just didn't have the space in this yard, which you'll also see. It's 23 feet wide, this part of my yard. 
So, and the sidewalk goes out from the house. So I'm exactly 10 feet. The rain garden starts exactly 10 feet from what would be the foundation of my house, which is exactly, that's the minimum that one wants relative to foundation to rain garden to get the moisture away. And I'll see if maybe I can find a couple pictures of other mature gardens that were installed by master gardeners as well. That would be great. Because uh, I know they are in, like you said, in King County and in, yes. um, I think there's one in Lewis County. Well, I also want to plug the certification program that WSU Extension offers, which is a rain garden certification. And it's online only. It's pretty affordable. And it's all self-study. And it it walks you through the the handbook. And they're... they're open book exams on each section. So that's where I got my my good information on doing a rain garden. Okay, any final thoughts about rain gardens? One of the one of the big questions or the big comments that came up during the the garden tour was I think people were so excited about this project because it's something they could do themselves. And and they, I talked about all the resources that are available, so there's no guesswork. And so I got a lot of uh, really positive reactions. Even there was only one person that said she would have rather see a lot of flowering, you know, plants in the garden instead of my startup. But the, but this this project was put on the tour mainly for educational purposes, and I think we met all of those educational purposes. So I was just really excited to have had that opportunity. All right. I think that about wraps it up. So thanks for joining me. Thank you, Erin, for doing this. You're an awesome master gardener, and I really value your friendship. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. You bet. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Evergreen Thumb, brought to you by the WSU Extension Master Gardener Program volunteers and sponsored by the Master Gardener Foundation of Washington State. We hope that today's discussion has inspired and equipped you with valuable insights to nurture your garden. The Master Gardener Foundation of Washington State is a nonprofit organization whose primary purpose is to provide unifying support and advocacy for WSU Extension Master Gardener programs throughout Washington State. To support the Master Gardener Foundation of Washington State, visit www.mastergardenerfoundation.org forward slash donate. Whether you're an experienced Master Gardener or just starting out, the WSU Extension Master Gardener Program is here to support you every step of the way. WSU Extension Master Gardeners empower and sustain diverse communities with relevant, unbiased, research-based horticulture education. Reach out to your local WSU Extension office to connect with Master Gardeners and tap into a wealth of resources that can help you achieve gardening success. To learn more about the program or how to become a Master Gardener, visit mastergardener.wsu.edu forward slash get hyphen involved. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay connected with us, be sure to subscribe to future episodes filled with expert tips, fascinating stories, and practical advice. Don't forget to leave a review and share it with fellow gardeners to spread the joy of gardening. Questions or comments to be addressed in future episodes can be sent to hello at theevergreenthumb.org. 
The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and do not imply endorsement by Washington State University or the Master Gardener Foundation of Washington State. Mm-hmm.